You can do three things with your life. There's three things that you can do with your life. You can waste it. You can use your life and you can spend it. Or you can invest your life. The greatest use of your life is to invest it in the kingdom of God and what God called you to. Now, there are only two things, two things that will last forever. And that's the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So you ought to invest your life in the word of God. And the other is people. People last forever. So we ought to pay attention to that. And then there are one of two choices. Heaven or hell. And so, as I come to you this morning, if you want God's blessing in your life, if you want God's anointing on your life to be filled with the Spirit, if you want God to use you in ways that you have never imagined, then you must get with God's agenda. His vision. And it is the difference between living a me-centered life and a God-centered life. And we talked about, over these past three weeks, the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's important for us, if we're going to live Spirit-filled, Spirit-controlled life, for us to have our focus on the Lord, for us to focus our attention on Him and to submit to His authority. And that is living God-centered lives. You see, if we do that, all of us collectively, I believe that we will see the fruits of the Spirit and that there will be something peculiar that happens within this body of believers. I heard a pastor this past week say this, the church should be the happiest and humblest fellowship on earth. I believe that's true. It should be. I'll rephrase it. The church, our church, should be the humblest and happiest fellowship in Whitley County. It should be. It should be happier and humbler than the 4-H fair. It should be happier and humbler than the VFW or the American Legion. It should be happy, happier and humbler than your school or your workplace. It should be, this should be the happiest and humblest fellowship on earth. I believe one of the ways that God is calling us is something that we talked about as a staff and I have felt led to come and talk to you about something that I believe God's calling us to and that is, for, and this is for all of us individually and collectively, is for us to live a life that is generous. Now at first when we started talking about these three weeks, we talked about giving. And uh, by the way, I just want to tell you right now, if you're, this is your first day here, uh, 
People don't come to church normally for two reasons. They, want the, they, they think to themselves, I don't want to go to church because they're probably after my money and they're after my time. And some people just say, those are the two things I don't have any more of, so I don't want to go to church. And so I, I want us to think about, uh, and we think about living a life that's pleasing to God. I think we ought to be a generous people. I think we ought to be peculiar. Because the world is full of just all kinds of take, take, take. And the world is just, I want what I want. And so it's just a collision. We're just watching a world full of a collision of all of these opinions and all of these worldviews and everybody wants what they want and the pie's only this big, so I, get, I wanna get what I get and just this dog-eat-dog -dog world. And I believe that God is calling us to be a peculiar people, to be different and that we should be known as a generous people. And so I, when we talk about like being a part of our fellowship, a lot of times we talk within the, there's a membership class, and we talk about giving your time, your talent, and your treasure for the benefit for the kingdom of God and for our fellowship. And so today I want to start with your talent. If you're going to be a generous, live a generous life, how is it that you will be used, and starting with your talent, how can you use your talents? to further the kingdom of God. And how can you be generous with that? Well, there's no two ways about it, but that all of us here are different. And when you think about this using your life to expend your life, to be generous with your life, uh, many times you think about talent, we think right immediately to spiritual gifts. But I think of this word called shape. Now, as many of you know this word, shape, S-H-A-P, because it's, it's, a, it's a, an acrostic kind of for this acronym for uh, these five words. And that is, of the first one, S, is spiritual gifts. Uh, that's something that's biblical. There are, uh, and we're going to talk about that today. Secondly, there's also not just the God-given gifts that he gives us. It's also our heart. There's many people here that might have the same spiritual gifts, but you have a different heart. You have a different passion for different things in life that move you. So that makes us all have this different shape. Well, it's not just your heart and your spiritual gifts. It's also your abilities. There are some of you, and some of you were up here, some people up here have these abilities that to sing that I don't have. There are people here that can do uh, math in a way that I just do not have the ability to do it. There are also abilities. And then there, the, the shape, not only the shape profile for each person is not just your abilities, it's also your personality. There are some people that might have all three of those in common, but one person's an introvert and another person is an extrovert. And there's all these different, you know, the disc profiles, the high C's, the high I's, the high influencers, and the compliant people and all that stuff. You know, there's all kinds of people. That all makes us very different. And then E is our experiences. You could have many things in common, but the experience for all of us in our family of origin and what we've brought, been brought up with, our experiences, all bring us to a point that shapes us. 
So it's never just simple. So I want us to look at how, what's a biblical view of us being faithful and available and teachable and how God's kind of shaped us. See, even in some of our experiences, there are some of you sitting here today that think that your addiction and what you've come out of eliminates you from ministry, but that very experience that you had might qualify you for a ministry that I am not qualified to be a part of. Uh, I heard a pastor one time say, make your mess your message. There are some of you that have come out of addictions that can minister to people that are coming out of them. That makes you a part of God's plan. And so as we talk about this today, I want us to talk about and kind of lead through this. We're going to use a, a biblical term, and that is spiritual gifts. Now, the Apostle Paul and this is what God provides to the family of God. And, and, and the Apostle Paul wrote in to the Corinthians, he said, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now in spread of my, instead of spreading myself too thin, this is the, a major section, chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14, the, uh, right here in the book of 1 Corinthians. Instead of, I, I, I'm going to go to a smaller text, but I, I want you to know, I want us to be informed about these spiritual gifts, about how God has shaped each one of us, and he's given us these talents in order for us to expend for the kingdom of God. Because here's something that I've learned, is that when I am generous with my talents, it strengthens other people's faith. When you are generous, when you are giving, it will strengthen other people's faith. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Spiritual gifts, we'll read here, are to, are to strengthen others. Spiritual gifts are not to make a name for yourself. It's so that we would give them to others. So writing to the church at Rome, Paul says this, and, 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 and it's the first place in the New Testament, the first place you would run into the term spiritual gift. And Paul says this to the church at Rome, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith both yours and mine. The translation, the translation here, to impart to your to you some spiritual gift is a little misleading because it sounds like Paul wants to literally give them a gift that he has. But really, it's, it, it's for the benefit of this gift. It, 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 it better sounds, I long to see you that I may use my gifts to strengthen you. We should be the first and, and most obvious thing that we learn right here in this text is that we are, spiritual gifts are for strengthening other people. But it does suggest that gifts are given to be given here. And that's something very, very important. 
They are not to be hoarded. Spiritual gifts, the things that God has given you, the things that God has poured into you, the things that you've come so far and God's brought you out of in your experiences, he has given those to you, not so you would hoard them, but also to strengthen others and to strengthen their faith. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul says, We sent Timothy, our brother and servant in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen you in your faith and to exhort you no one would be moved by these afflictions. So here's what I want us to know is that we have been, you were given talents. Your talents were given to be given. But that doesn't come natural to the world because so many of us, we struggle with wanting to hoard those and even sometimes make a name for ourselves. Have you ever heard that term, we are blessed to be a blessing? You've heard that term. That comes from when God chose Abraham and he said, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. The idea that God was doing something in the nation of Israel that would be a blessing to the whole world. And of course, ultimately, that would come through Jesus who came as the Messiah. And he came, and when he came, we received that invitation that Brad was speaking of when we took communion. That we are, and, and this is what God's economy is, is that when we have spiritual gifts, our spiritual gifts were given so that they would be given. But here's human nature. Human nature is that uh, we're more prone to tear down and, than, it is, than we are to build up. The path of least resistance of grumbling and criticism and complaining and gossip, uh, and there are many others, but, the, but that, that path is very broad and it just seems to be what is natural. But the gate is narrow, and the way is strewn with obstacles, which leads to this, and that is edification, edification and strengthening of faith. I, I, I just, I was thinking about this this week. When we act in our flesh, when we just think about ourselves, all that seems to come out is just gossiping. We tend to say things that what? Tear other people down. We marginalize people and we treat people as if they are a commodity, as if we can just talk about them. If something, a tragedy or something bad happens to maybe a member of a family or a family, it comes so easy in the flesh for us just to say whatever we want to say and it tears down somebody else. But in the economy of God being filled with the Spirit, our spiritual gifts are to edify and to what do what? Strengthen other people's faith. It's supposed to be exuding out of us when we are empowered by the Spirit. And God has given you all of these spiritual gifts, all of these different people and personalities and all these abilities and all of this so that you, and even all your experiences, so that we would edify and encourage each other and strengthen you. 
But there's a battle going on, man. I see it. I see it in our community. I see it in high schools. I see it amongst parents. I see it amongst kids. It's just like a war. And what I am encouraging you is to be generous. Don't give in to the flesh that just wants to gossip and tear down. But that we would be a people that are generous to build up, to say the things of God. I know, I know that we are living sort of at a crossroads of, of, of just this whole thing. And because of social media, we just blurt out stuff. We don't even think about what we're about to say. And it tears other and divides and it's all this stuff. And I want us to be a peculiar people, to be a people. And so I, I, when you look at Romans 1, verse 12, he, he says in verse 12 something different. He restates verse 11. He says, that is, I want you to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul, two things here. Paul, first he uses that it's my pleasure. So in other words, he says, hey, it's my pleasure to do that. That's a very humble way of kind of saying, hey, man, don't get too uh, fired up about how much self-sacrificing I'm doing here. I kind of love doing it. So that's a good thing. And that's one of the things I want you in your life to know not only how God has shaped you and your spiritual gift, but for you to be a blessing is to find your sweet spot. Find your sweet spot. One of the things that my wife has taught me over the years is that her sweet spot is behind the scenes. She comes in here a lot of Thursdays, uh, maybe comes other times too. Over the years, it's been a lot of different times. And she will come here when nobody's here. And she will, she will come and she'll try to work on different parts of maybe the lobby. Or she comes in and she cleans up the attic. And our attic just gets in disarray after a different season. So she'll go up and she'll straighten up and organize the attic. And then she'll go in here and work on some other closet and that kind of thing. And I've talked to her about coming up and praying with me before we start or maybe sharing or doing something. And she's finally said to me, Johnny, don't do that, please. Because she says, what I love to do is not what you love to do. You see, all of us, every person here is different. And we all have our different sweet spot. And I want to encourage you to find your sweet spot. Uh, and, and, and when you get this, and you see it here in verse 12... And I'll be re redundant here, but I'm just going to encourage you. A spiritual gift is an expression of faith which aims to strengthen faith. That's what you're being strengthened. That's what you're doing. You're strengthening somebody else's faith. And folks, one thing I want to tell you, there are many people who struggle in this and when you come here on Sunday morning, I want to get up off of this thing sometimes. I just want to jump over the rail sometimes. I don't have these stairs anymore. When you come here on Sunday morning, there are people that are beat down. I know we come and we fix ourselves up on Sunday morning and we, we all come in here. And I want us to be very civil. I want us to be, a, you know, we want us to be loving people. But there are people that are struggling. Don't. 
act as if everybody, and we need to encourage one another. There are people that walk in this building. They don't have any family here. They've never lived here before. They've never even been to church before. They don't even know who to talk to and how to talk to. And God is calling us to be an encouraging people, to build up. We're supposed to be strengthening, using our faith to strengthen other people's faith. Don't take that for granted. We come so often not looking. See, within my own flesh, I just want to talk to the people I like. I just want to hang out with the people I have, my family. I, want to, I, want to, I just want to. But you know what? God is calling us to be generous, to do something we don't naturally, because naturally I just want what I want when I want it. But God's calling us to be generous. And it's helpful for me to think about spiritual gifts in this way of faith. Because I, I don't want to equate them just to natural abilities. Because you see, many unbelievers have great abilities in teaching and administration, for example. And these abilities are God-given, whether the people recognize that God gave it or not. They have them. And these abilities, uh, these will be called spiritual gifts or teaching or administration because they're not just expressions of faith. They are not aiming to strengthen faith. That's the distinguishing mark between a believer and an unbeliever. A believer, you can have a great speaker and a great speaker over here. And if this person is an unbeliever, then it's not a spiritual gift because it doesn't strengthen faith. And that's what I'm trying for you to grab a hold of today in being generous. This spiritual gift is so that you would have faith and that you would strengthen other people's faith. That's the purpose for spiritual gifts. The gifts we have and the faith to exercise them are given to us by God in these varying measures. And so God is so sovereign. He doesn't make us all the same. He doesn't all give us the same spiritual gifts. He doesn't do that to us. We are not the same. God is sovereign. And we give what we have been given by God. Remember Moses said to Israel in Deuteronomy 8, 17, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. It's God who's the one who has given to us. Now, I want you to turn over, if you would. I want you to turn over um, uh, just to Romans 12. I want to look at verse 3. We are to be strengthened in the faith of others. A church where the Holy Spirit is alive and powerful will be a church very sensitive to the difference between these natural abilities and these spiritual gifts. Verse 3, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, that God has assigned. Now go to verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy 
in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. By the grace given to you. You realize that? Here's the first thing. I believe the text confirms the, this point that I want to make, and that's this. I don't think that we should get all lathered up about a list of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. I think we get all worked up about that. And I think it's good to have clarity. I think, in fact, we could post a spiritual gifts assessment on our webpage for everybody to know that. If you've never done that, it'd be good. I mean, it is the S in shape. I mean, I understand that. But spiritual gifts are not a limited and even a defined group of activities spelled out just solely just for that. Spiritual gifts are any ability the Spirit gives you to express your faith in order to strengthen another person. And so here's the thing. Both the gifts we have and the faith to exercise them are given by God in a varying measure. And so this is what I want us to focus on. And here's the thing I want every person here to know. Each of you has a gift. Each person here, each person sitting here has spiritual, and if not just one, several. Gifts are not to be held, they're to be given. And I want you to pour yourself through that channel. Because what we're stewarding, listen to me, what we are stewarding in this strengthening of others, we are stewarding the grace of God. There's this picture of these talents that we're stewarding, and they're given to administer. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. I've been thinking about this passage. It says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are stewarding the currency of God. Here's the deal. Currency of a church for us, the people of God, is not knowledge. It is not money. It is not power. The currency of God in the household of God for us to be generous is grace. And you know what? I want you to be a dispenser of grace with your spiritual gifts. I want you to be like an ATM of grace where people get grace because you are strengthening someone else's faith. Only, the only currency that purchases faith is grace. It's not the law. It's not doing better. It's grace. God gives us grace in Jesus. And there's one other thing that you can kind of see here in this passage I just read. They're, they're dispersed with sort of a word, word the word 
oriented and deed oriented. Like he says, if you're going to teach and speak, do it with the words of God. In other words, don't do it in your own power. Whoever speaks, let him do it as one who utters the oracles of God. If your gift involves speaking, do not rely on your own, like your own insight, but look to God to give you those words. And then the same way, whoever renders service, let him do it as one who renders it by the strength which God supplies. So if your gift involves practical deeds of service, do not do it within your own strength, but rest on God. And so today I invite you to be a part, to be generous, to be the people of God that uses. And maybe you've never thought about this, but I believe God is calling us to be a generous people. Why? Why do we do all of this? Well, he says it in 1 Peter we just read. He says, all to the glory of God. We don't do it for ourselves. We don't do it to make a name for ourselves. We don't do it so that there would be other kind of underlying motives, but all for the glory of God. I want to encourage you today to be generous in your life. Have you ever thought about this? With your talent, the spiritual gifts that God has put inside of you. To be, because I, I, I believe that God is calling us to be a generous people. To be generous with grace that we would encourage other people's faith, that we would strengthen them. I want to ask you this morning, who are you strengthening? Who are you strengthening? When you go to the grocery store or whether it is you go to work or in your family, are you using all that God has poured into you? Are you taking out grace and are you encouraging other people's faith and are you strengthening others? We should be doing this The church should be the humblest and the happiest place on earth because we are always encouraging other people's faith and strengthening one another. But we're going to have to be generous to do it. It's impossible with us, but it's possible with God. The devil wants to whisper in your ear this morning, oh, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything I can do for God. I want you to know that God has a call on your life. He has invited you to be a part of what he's doing. Are you going to be stingy or are you going to be generous? Would you pray with me right now? Father, I thank you for each person here. I thank you, Lord, for how you speak to us and you don't leave us without help that, Lord, you sent Jesus so that we may know you and the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in you. And Lord, today I pray for each person here that you would help us to be mindful of what you are calling us to. Lord, I pray that you would wake us up to what you wanna do in us. That, Lord, we would grow up And that we would be a people who want to strengthen other people. And that we would literally purchase faith 
in other people because of the grace we extend. I pray, Lord, that you would help us do this. Lord, whatever it is that you're doing among us, I pray, Lord, that the glory of the Lord would rise among us and that others would praise you because we have followed you. Lord, help us to be generous. Help us, Father. It doesn't come natural to us. So we pray, Lord, for the infilling and the filling of the Holy Spirit that you would empower us to do it. In Jesus' name.